And I thought about, and I had listened to a few of your podcasts speak about how it works in Canada with, you know, lead generation businesses and the process around selling those leads to different mortgage brokers, whether, you know, a cheap lead that they can get given to multiple multiple people and it's a dog fight to the death. Yeah, it's like the Hunger Games. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. There is only one winner in the end. Yeah. And unfortunately, the customer just gets like... May the odds ever be in your favor. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Welcome to ILMB Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, I talk to a rookie who's making waves in the mortgage industry, and you are going to be blown away with this conversation I have with Rob Roper. So he's a new mortgage broker based out of Perth, Australia. And he has been a mortgage broker since about July 2021 and has generated hundreds of leads and closed tens of millions of dollars in mortgages from TikTok. Yes, you heard that right, TikTok. You're like, how the flip is that even possible? And you're probably thinking, isn't TikTok just teenagers and people dancing and singing? Yes, there's definitely that. But personally, I believe TikTok is the platform that you want to be on. And I kind of like to watch trends. So back when I originally started the podcast, I was listening to a podcast called I Love Marketing. I know, pretty original, right, Scott? This was in 2014, and I was like, man, podcasts are awesome. And so I jumped into the podcast thing thinking I was late to the party. Well, in the last year alone, there's been over a million new podcasts launched, and our show has grown like 400%. And so our timing was fine. I mean, we were not actually late to the party at that time, but I think that the new trend is TikTok. And I have a couple reasons for this, and then I'm going to tee up this interview, and I'm going to tell you how you can actually get training from Rob in a second, but my wife has a business where she teaches sourdough baking online and she's got about 40,000 Instagram followers and Instagram worked really well. It's like for what she does, it's very visual. And what we've been noticing with her and some of the other people that are in her space is that the amount of engagement is down on Instagram and nothing's changed, but some of the engagement is down, the growth is down, it's slowed down. And some of her peers who have jumped into TikTok have seen massive growth in their Instagram account as well as their TikTok account. And so there's a trend. And if you look at what's happening on Facebook, I always like to look at my own behavior. What am I watching myself and go, okay, if I get sucked into this, then probably other people will too. I jokingly call TikTok the crack cocaine to social media. You turn it on and then three hours go by and you're like, what just happened to the last three hours? So if you look at Instagram and Facebook, a lot of the content that is the most interesting is either created on TikTok or it's basically TikTok type content. So it's entertaining, yes. I think of it like a shopping mall where everybody's going to hang out. And if you're a mortgage broker, you want to be there. That's where the people are and the way that the algorithm works currently because it's still in its infancy. It's not like it's so built up like YouTube or some of these other channels where it's very difficult to carve out a niche. You can get in front of a lot of people very quickly. I mean, I have one little video that's got 28,000 views and I just started TikTok not that long ago. So all that to say, in this conversation, I talked to Rob about how he got into TikTok. So he was listening to our podcast, a Rookie Mortgage Broker podcast. And he was listening to a conversation I had with Enrique Levy, who did our my first five million. I coached Enrique on getting his business going. And Enrique, you know, on the episode would come on and you can go back and listen to these. And he was talking about how he was getting deals from TikTok. And so Rob's like, I should do that. And so he jumped on, but Rob has taken it to a whole other level. I think currently he's got about 260,000 followers, which just blows your mind. So his first post on TikTok was in June and he has generated like a ridiculous number of high quality leads because more and more people that are, you know, 40s and up are on there, 39 and up. 
And then he's also closed millions of dollars in mortgages from it. And it's insane. So if you want to find out how to get trained by Rob, I've put together a little partnership with him. Go to tiktokbroker.ca. That's tiktokbroker.ca. Find out how you can get trained by Rob. And man, this conversation is amazing. Check it out. And on the Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage about the three things you must own if you ever want to change brokerages. And I'm going to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform that's designed specifically for Canadians. Very easy for brokers to use, very easy for clients. And they got lots of cool features. They have smart documents, they've got smart submission notes, and it's connected to the lender spotlight. Check them out, finmo.ca, and check out this conversation with Rob. Hey, Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. How you going, mate? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. Man, we got a lot of stuff that we can talk about. So maybe tell me about how you got into the mortgage business first, and then we're going to talk about TikTok and a few other cool things that you're doing. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So it would have been the start of 2021. So January of 2021, I decided that I wanted to invest my time in something that I was passionate about. And throughout my life, I've been into property investing personally. And, you know, I just sometimes spend my hours looking at real estate websites, <laughs> dreaming about properties I could buy. So I thought, well, why not use my background in education? Because I've been a teacher for 10 years. Why not use that to educate people about getting into the housing market themselves and buy their own home? And so I thought, why not start, you know, investing some time into becoming a mortgage broker? And as I was thinking about doing this, I thought, why not try and reach out to or at least try and listen to some different podcasts that might inspire me to take action. And I found I love mortgage brokering. So you were a part of the inspiration, mate. So, okay, your background's in math, teaching math, right? So numbers and stuff yes. you get, you like real estate. You decide yeah. in January to become a mortgage broker. You are in Australia, so your clients are in Australia. So how long does it take to become a mortgage broker in Australia? Yeah, so there's two different qualifications you can do. The first one, it's called a Cert 4 in finance and mortgage broking. And basically, I'm not sure what it's called in Canada, but in Australia, it's called TAFE. So it's kind of like it's the level of education that you would go to to gain skills before university. That's okay. what we call TAFE. And so I just did an online TAFE course, which was a Cert 4, which if you were to dedicate full-time hours into it and you did like nine hours a day for an entire week, you could probably get it done in you know maybe two weeks. And then how long did it take yeah. you to go through that course to actually go from idea to license? Yeah, so I started that, I think it was in Feb of 2021, and I did it for maybe an hour and a half a night because I was also working as a teacher and then I also run a tutoring company where we provide tuition for students from year one to year 12. So I was managing the 15 staff that I had at the time here, which was taking up a lot of my time. So this was a log on at 10 o'clock at night, finish at 11.30 or midnight. How much do you sleep? Because I know all you've got going on, you're still got your teaching that you're doing, you still have your tutoring company and your mortgage business is exploding. So what yes. does that look like? Well, look, lately, with the amount of inquiries that have been coming through for the mortgage stuff and just trying to filter them and manage them and build up the network, I'm probably getting to bed at around 12.30 and waking up at six. So it's about five and a half at the moment. But, you know, there are some times in the weekend where I get a good eight hours in and then I can um, build hit the ground in the next week. Okay. So that's yeah. outstanding. All right. So when you first got your mortgage license, when was that specifically? Was it like January, 2021? So that was when I actually got fully licensed. I think it was the very start of June, the very start of June. 
Okay, of 2021. Um, and then, so what did you try to do to get your business going? What was your like, you know, you understand numbers, built a business before, but this is a whole new world. How are you going to get your clients? Yeah, so I understood that anyone in the industry I had spoken to, it seemed like the hardest thing was to get clients, basically. And because I had spent from February through to June at this stage, you know, five months listening to your podcast, and I really connected with the first of five million. And there was a person you were interviewing on there. I think it was Enrique was his name. Yeah, Enrique Levy. Yeah. Yeah, and he started TikTok. And you guys would have conversations often where he would reflect upon the number of leads that he got in through TikTok. And I thought, well, if this guy can do it. <laughs> right, why can't I? I thought, why can't I? So I did look at some of his content originally and I saw that he was just answering people's questions a lot of the time, you know. And I thought, well, that seems great. Maybe I can create some kind of imaginary clients because I didn't have any at that time. And just yeah, a client asked me, it was like, there was yeah. actually no client. It was just you answering a common question. Very clever, right? Okay. Exactly, exactly. And I started off with just my own question. So I bought my first property when I was 24. And then I tried to remember what was the journey like then? How does it feel being a deer in the headlights, right? With all of this information coming out at you. And then I remembered when I bought my first investment property and how did that feel? So I tried to create these different avatars based on my personal experiences over the 10 years. So when I bought my first property, I went directly through a bank. And then with my second property, it was directly through a bank. And then with my third property, it was through a mortgage broker. And then it was through that process. We then also refinanced my first two mortgages. So I just tried to remember the difference in the experience. And I thought, what a perfect way to start TikTok by highlighting the difference in customer service that you receive with a mortgage broker, as opposed to going directly through a bank. Right. Okay. So just as a side note, what percentage of mortgages are done by mortgage brokers in Australia compared to like going direct to the bank? The last statistic that I had heard, which was probably a good three or four months ago now, was around 65, 70%. Oh, it's pretty high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you decide, all right, I'm going to do TikTok. And we went on TikTok recently, you messaged me and I looked at your account. I'm like, shut the front door, which we're going to talk more <laughs> about that in a sec. But when was your first post on TikTok? Remember like the proximate, maybe not the first day, but like Yeah, yeah, when? yeah. I think it was like mid-June sometime. And then when did the first post, I want to say, I'm using viral with quotations, you can't see it, but when did the first post actually go poof? How long did that take? And can you remember the post that you did? Yeah, so my very, very first post that I did was terrible. <laughs> It got like no engagement. Can we see it if we scroll back far enough? Is it findable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It's still up there. And it's just me looking at the camera going like, this is where you can still buy a house in Australia for $300,000. And I was trying to highlight that in the city I live in, in Perth, which is on the very west side of Australia, you know, you can get like some decent homes in maybe not so desirable like suburbs, neighborhoods, but, you know, you can still do it. And so I posted that thinking that, yes, I'm going to post one video and then my, you know. The phone is going to ring. They'll be like, please do my work. I'm done. One post and I'm done. I'm the next mortgage broker king, but that didn't happen. So I posted the one video and then after that video, I was deflated. So I think that there was like maybe a three or four day turnaround in between that video and the next one. And I thought, all right, I'll give it one more crack. And if I can't show that I'm, you know, getting anywhere close to the engagement that Enrique was getting, he didn't realize this, but at the time I was heavily stalking his account. And, um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) this random Australian dude was like, tell me your secrets, brother. But then it was about four days later, I posted the next one. I thought, well, students in my classes always discuss with me how they find my teaching style valuable and they find it clear. I thought, why not just do exactly the same thing? 
So I literally got in front of the whiteboard in my tutoring center and set the camera up. And I think I just taught from the whiteboard and was like, look, if this is the credit card limit that you have on your credit card in Australia, it's going to decrease the amount the bank will let you borrow for a home loan by this much. So I literally just educated for 30 seconds to a minute about that. And then I think that one got maybe 60, maybe 60,000 views. Oh, and wow. yeah. And then I thought, whoa, 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 here we go. I've unlocked this here. People want to be educated about this stuff. And they obviously really enjoyed my teacher style of how I was doing it. And so then I did another one, which I think was different types of the income that you had and whether or not the bank will count it in your application. Mm-hmm. So I was talking about the difference between your normal salary as opposed to your overtime, as opposed to your second job, and different banks just count different percentages. And that if you call up one bank, you're only exposed to you know that one bank's lending guidelines. But if you go to a mortgage broker, they're going to find out which bank suits your needs, basically. And then I think that one got maybe 150 or 160,000 views. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I got into that range, I was like, whoa, like I can see this taking off. And I think by five videos in, I took a screen snapshot of my page and I had 901 followers. I remember that being the turning point. That was the pivotal moment where I was like, yeah, if I dedicate a lot of time to this, I can see it blowing up. Right. Okay. So that's pretty quick. So you went from zero to 900. And then how long did it take you to get to 10,000 followers? Yeah. So at that point, I remember listening to an episode of your podcast where Enrique was talking about the number one strategy that he believed, which I still believe he's correct. And, you know, I still say this to everyone to this day is just consistency. So if you can post once a day in the beginning, you are going to see first of all, what works and what doesn't work. And you're then able to refine what it is that you're doing on the daily to try and maximize uh, your views and your engagement. So I think it was somewhere between 30 and 60 days that I think I got to that 10,000 followers. And the reason why I say that is because I gave myself a 60-day challenge to post every single day, but my 60-day challenge was to try and match Enrique and followers. (laughs) Right, I see. So you were, you had two things going on. You had to like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like I said, he doesn't know that this exists. So he yeah, yeah. Really but you know what? It's podcast. funny how we can inspire each other without even realizing that we're, yeah. you know, that's amazing. When he yeah. listens to this, he's going to be like, dang, dude, you like took it to another level. So... Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so about 30, 60 days. And then when did you get your first lead? When did you actually like have somebody go, hey, can you help me with a mortgage? How long did that take? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it was just after I took the screen snapshot of the 900 followers. So that would have been like a week and a half in. Really? And so did that lead actually close? Like, When was the first lead that actually turned into Uh, business? How long did that take? Because sometimes leads are like, hey, I have no job, no money, but you seem like a guy who can help me. Like, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I spent a lot of time in the early days going back and forth and trying to just, you know, speak to them and help them, whether it was through the TikTok, you know, messenger app or whether or not we then went to Instagram and messaged. So there was a lot of time of me going back and forth because I was not only new to the engagement on TikTok and I wanted to see how that played out and I wanted to see what type of information they wanted to know because that would inform my future content. But I was new to industry. You know, I'd only been a broker for three weeks at this point. So I was still trying to figure out the most efficient way to go about Speaking to a customer in the very first instance, making sure that I collect all the correct information, then making sure that all of the documentation was given to me before I waste any more time. I heard you and West Coast Wiley speak about it a million times about making sure that, you know, you don't waste any time until you get the documents required. But when you're new to industry and you're getting excited about the fact that you've got a new customer, 
um, you can get caught up and burn a lot of your time doing that, I think. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So between June and say November, how did your account grow then? Yeah. So I think it was in November that I cracked 30,000. And were you Um, getting business from it at that point? So at 30,000, was there actually closed mortgages coming from? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was somewhere around the order of 20, I'm going to say. So you closed about 20 mortgages and these are directly from TikTok? Directly from TikTok, correct. What do you say to somebody who's listening to this who would have been me before Enrique showed me this. I was like, it's fun, but it's like, I'd say it's like the crack cocaine to social media. It's just teenagers <laughs> it on is. TikTok. Right. And so yeah. like, did you think that that was the case or like, obviously it's not teenagers getting mortgages. So explain that to me. Yeah. So I am like a massive fan of Gary V and I listen to his podcast daily. V. Like every day I listen to one of his podcasts that he releases, even if I scroll all the way back to 2019 and listen to some of them. And he's been talking about TikTok since like, I'm going to say start of 2019. And yep. every single time I listened to him talk about it, I would be like, yeah, but is my niche on there? And when I started thinking about TikTok and I heard Enrique talking about the success, I immediately just went back to every single thing that he had said over the last you know, two years. And I was like, this guy is so correct because if you can get onto the wave early and you're one of the few in your industry really doing it. And when I say doing it, I mean treating it with the respect that it deserves. So posting every day, thinking about strategies you can employ to actually build your following. If you're doing it right, then you stand out. There's no two ways about it. And so, yeah, I just thought to go all in. Once I hit 30,000 and I was like, yeah, I've actually closed a substantial number of deals here. That's when I was like, there's no way I can sustain this. Because at that point, I was having to turn probably 95% of the leads I was getting in away because, you know, I couldn't manage it. Right, right. Yeah. It's kind of like being in the right place at the right time. Remember that video of Charlie bit my finger on YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. Charlie <laughs> yes. bit my finger. Like, what the heck? It's got like a, whatever, a billion views or something. It's just, yeah. you know, the platform matters and it's still on the rise. Like, it's going to be a player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I read an article recently and I can't remember the exact numbers, so I'm not going to try and butcher them. But Facebook, for example, was somewhere around 65% of all Australians over the age of 16 have an active Facebook account, right? Which is obviously what leads to the saturation because there's so many people and they're creating content. Instagram was somewhere around like the 25, 30%. And TikTok was well, well under like 7%. Right, And so it just goes to show that like the number of people that are going to come on and consume the content in the next couple of years is going to be massive. Sure, there's going to be more competition in that time because more people are going to create. But the good thing about TikTok is it's created an audiovisual platform, which is actually more challenging to create engaging content than Instagram and Facebook. Because what can you do on Instagram and Facebook? You can post an image, write a caption. Yeah, I'm done which is what leads to the saturation. On TikTok, you can't do that. You've got to post something that's engaging and audiovisual. So either you're coming up with or finding a video that's going to be funny or entertaining or you know, you're going to educate your audience or you're going to have to do that yourself. So I think it naturally filters Right, it's going to weed out. My son is in drama right now. So my son, he's got a very expensive taste. I'm like, dude, you're going to learn sales. I'm not paying for your life. <laughs> So I, I send him like sales training videos every week that he has to give me feedback on by video, like tell me you know what he learned. But so he's in drama. He's like, Dad, I don't know about drama. I said, dude, that is the best place for you to be. Like, it's really communication. It's getting comfortable. I'm like, just stay it. Do not leave drama. Like, I didn't take it as a kid. 
But knowing what I know now, I would have been all in like flat out because it's just communication and learning how yeah. to like think on your feet. And like, there's so much, it would have been awesome. Anyways, he's absolutely in it. Drama in the other class that should be its own subject at school is negotiation. That literally should just be an entire year or semester when you get to a particular point. Yes, to learn absolutely. How to negotiate. Negotiating and drama and your set. So, okay. <laughs> uh, so you got to 30,000 and then yeah. now what are you at for followers? So I didn't check this morning, but I think I'm at 250 something. So I'm going to say maybe 255. Okay. So what do you think you did from 30 to two? Cause it was not that many months. We're talking, you know, three yeah. months now you've like five times your more than that, yeah. your account size, what started to click for you? So at that point, up into the 30,000 point, I was really just building a connection between myself and, and my audience. So they understood that, you know, I was Robbo, the Aussie mortgage guy who's going to educate you about mortgages and I'm invested in helping you and giving you information. But up to that point, I actually didn't really jump on any type of TikTok trends or really, I actually didn't employ any TikTok or social media strategy at that point. It was literally just me educating. That's all it was. Right. You were using your teacher skills and your knowledge yep. of mortgages, and you were basically saying, hey, I'm going to teach you. And that got your account to a certain point. But the thing that so, took it over to the next level was, it was noticing the, it little, was, the trends within the trends. So if TikTok is the big wave, it's the little waves within the wave of what's going on right now that people are paying attention to. That's right. And so one of the first ones is to go, okay, well, what type of trends are happening at the moment with a particular song? And so, you know, you might be scrolling when you get stuck in the three-hour vortex of the mind-numbing TikTok scroll. And you might find, because it happens to me as well, I try and write it off as me working and researching. Yeah, it's market it's research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I might find a video which I find really funny or it might be specific to a completely different industry or specific to a certain social construct of life, whether it's to do with relationships within family or within marriages or whatever it may be. And usually that type of content will have a specific video where there's like maybe three segments or four segments to it with a particular audio. And then there usually isn't any speaking. So the person doing the acting, let's say, isn't saying anything. There's text overlay, which contextualizes it to your situation. So I just thought, why not try and take as many of these trends as possible and specifically relate them to mortgages? So whether there's a husband and wife relationship where they're talking about, I don't know, maybe some of the frustrating things that the husband might do. This is a good example where the husband might do. I might take that and go, well, these are some of the frustrating things that your bank might be doing. So then right. therefore let's look yeah, at yeah. You're, So you're, you're basically, yeah, you're adopting it for our industry. And then people are going, oh, that's fine. It's a, it's a new twist on. So the account went to like 250,000. And so yeah. you told me at one point you were saying book a discovery call with me, which you were smart, yes. you know, Calendly link. And then yes. like how many bookings did you have? Like, where did you realize I couldn't keep up with that? What did that look like? Yes. So in January, I think I had gotten, or maybe it was kind of like towards the end of December, I had gotten to, it's about 80,000. So it jumped in three weeks, I think, from 30 to 80,000. And at that point, I started to get all of these messages. Now on TikTok, you can't speak to someone unless you're following them and they're following you. Right. You can't right? just like spam people. No, that's right. So you can't. Yeah, and Enrique, if you're listening, follow me back, buddy. I'm trying to message you. Enrique, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're not following. Come on, I'm trying to message you. Anyway, sorry, keep going. There's my request. Come on, Enrique. Come on, Play Enrique. ball, buddy. Play ball. 
Sorry, keep going. And so then what happens is I have my Instagram link in my TikTok profile. So you can go check out my Instagram as well. Now, I literally do nothing on Instagram. I just in my stories repost whatever TikToks I did for the day. You know, I don't have the bandwidth to then create different content for, yeah. for Instagram. So the thing with Instagram, though, is you can message someone and it goes in their general folder. So I have a lot of people who try and get in contact with me and they go to Instagram and then they just send me a message and it sits in my general folder. And so I woke up one morning and had my... Oh, so, okay. See, I, that's a little like ninja thing is that people may or may not be able to get a hold of you, but if they can get your Instagram, they'll DM you on Instagram. So... Right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what does that show you, right, as the person creating the content or the mortgage broker? It shows you that these people are pretty damn dedicated to wanting that help, right? There's a bit of a hurdle there. They got to leave the platform to go find you to be like, hey, interesting. Okay. And you want to embed those hurdles, right? You want to make sure that who you're investing your time into is so far down that sales funnel that as soon as you speak to them, no matter what, they are like, boom, I want you to sort my mortgage out, right? Yeah. Really, whoever I'm speaking to, there's no sell that has to happen. If I'm speaking to you, it's almost like you're lucky to have gotten a hold of me. Now it's at that point, right? And it's because of the hurdles that you put in place to get in contact with me. But at that point, I was so overwhelmed with how many inquiries I was getting and remembering, you know, it was like me that was trying to deal with them all. I was putting a lot of hurdles in place. And so the first hurdle was that you couldn't contact me unless you got to Instagram. But then I started reading these messages. And I got 40 messages one morning. I woke up and there's 40 sitting there. And I had cleared it out the night before down to zero. So I was like, oh, man, like that's a lot. And the 40 messages were almost all exactly the same message. And it was like, hey, dude, try to book a Calendly, you know, link. You know, it's booked. I can't find any. Your link's broken. And I was like, what the hell? So I went under Calendly and I realized, oh, I'm booked out for three months. Right. Like every single call was booked out for three months. And so it was at that point where I was like, all right, could I upgrade? Because I was just on the free Calendly account. And I assumed that if I upgraded the account, sure, I could book in advance. But then I was like, do I want to be speaking to someone who's happy to wait three months to speak to me? Probably not. Yeah. I felt like that would probably be a waste of my time. I want someone who's keen to act now. So I then thought I had two options at that point because I was enjoying how much traction I was getting, but I couldn't deal with it. So I was like, option number one was I build out my own team of mortgage brokers, but it kind of doesn't work out too well when, in my mind, the leader of that team was new to industry themselves. Yeah, 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 exactly. There were so many things that I wouldn't have been able to support them on, and I kind of feel like the leader, the owner, needs to know the ins and outs of the processes first, and I was still learning a lot of those. But then I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't actually be a mortgage broker, and I should be someone that connects people to the right mortgage broker. Because, you know, there are mortgage brokers all over Australia that are 1 million, you know, percent better than I am. So I went on a bit of a journey of trying to find those people. And I started off with people who were invested in the same things as me. So they were invested in their marketing and invested, you know, in their lead generation. So they might have had their own TikTok account, but maybe they only had 10,000 followers. But I saw that they value trying to get new clients through that platform. And so I cold call and reached out to these brokerages all over Australia. And the first couple of brokerages I reached out to, you know, they had already heard of me, which was great, through TikTok. And I thought they would have because they had their own TikTok account themselves. Right, right. It was like, hey, they see you have a monster account next to their little baby account. Yeah, exactly. And I think at that point, like when I first started reaching out, I probably had 80 odd thousand followers when I started to build the network. And I thought about, and I had listened to a few of your podcasts 
speak about how it works in Canada with, you know, lead generation businesses and the process around selling those leads to different mortgage brokers, whether, you know, a cheap lead that they can get given to multiple multiple people and it's a dogfight to the death. Yeah, it's like the Hunger Games. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. There is only one winner in the end. Yeah. And unfortunately, the customer just gets like... May the odds ever be in your favor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I wish I could do the whistle, but I already forget the tune. Yeah. So then I thought, you know what? I don't want to be that dude. I don't want to be the guy who's just spamming off names and email addresses. I want to create more of a boutique agency, which is giving not just the name and email address, but really giving a financial snapshot. So what do their incomes look like? You know, what does their deposit look like? And what are their goals? What are they trying to do? What is the best interest for the client? And so I negotiated with these brokerages to give that lead to them based on their speciality. Do they deal with first-time homebuyers? Do they deal with investors? What's their niche? Give them what their niche is so they would be happy. I would go through and filter through my leads first. So I'm not just giving them every single lead that comes to me. I'm giving them the ones that I would deem to be viable. Then we negotiated a commission split of their upfront. So whatever the bank pays them with their upfront, I then take a portion of that, which means that I'm not getting paid anything unless their deal, what is it called in Canada? Closes? Closes, yeah. What do you yeah, call it? Settles? We call it settles, yeah. yeah. So their deal closes. So if the deal closes, then I make a portion of the commission. And I think immediately, as soon as I suggested that, first of all, all of the brokerages said they've never had someone contact them with this business model. No, because normally they're like, hey, pay me first. And, yeah. you know, so you've flipped it on its head, really. Which blew my mind, to be honest, because yeah. I thought surely there are just heaps of people out there doing this. And then I thought, why aren't they? And I guess the reason is, is because a lot of maybe people trying to do what I'm doing where they've created this referral agency now, maybe they don't have the patience to wait for the income. I think yeah. that's probably the issue, right? I but think that's luckily, part of it. And I think part of it is, is that they don't want to wait for the income. Sometimes marketing companies are spending money to get leads. So they're doing ads and they're doing, you're using organic reach. You don't have a cost of acquisition other than your time, right? That's correct. That's correct. And luckily for me personally, you know, my life in terms of our finances for my family. And you don't, exactly, you have a good job. you got your business. So all these things yeah. like, you're not like you need to be paid today. Otherwise you're like, you know. So it makes you, you can be more patient with it. Yeah. So we negotiated the commission split and then that was kind of that. It started off that those first couple of brokerages were happy to be on board and it was kind of more of a trial date. You know, we trialed it day by day, like these are the leads. And at that point, I still had my Calendly link in place because I was like, well, I'm trying to still get through all these people who booked a phone call with me. So At that point, I'm still getting through the calls, getting through the calls, turning these calls into leads and then sending these leads now through to my referral network. Yeah. And then it got to a point where I was like, well, first of all, they're so invested. The people I'm speaking to are so invested in me from watching my TikTok. Some of them have been watching me for six months now. Yeah. I thought, do I need to spend 15 minutes speaking to them? Because what's the return on investment of that? Right. You know, do I need to do that? Or is just the fact that I've educated them for six months for free, is that actually enough? And so then I thought, let's just create a contact form and a website. So rather than going to Calendly now, I feed them through to a contact form where they put in all of the information that I would normally get from the phone call. It's basically a virtual discovery call they're doing themselves in a way. Exactly, exactly. So So that spits me an email. I'm then able to sift through this email and determine which of the clients are viable. You know, I look at an email and I can figure it out in, you know, 30 seconds. 
And then you know who's the right person to partner with on that loan. Correct. That's right. And so now the process looks like the email comes through to me. I figure out which mortgage broker best suits their needs. I forward the information through to that mortgage broker. Every single mortgage broker in my network, and now we have nine brokerages across Australia in the network, every single broker has a 24-hour turnaround clause. So they need to get in contact with that client that I've sent them via email within 24 hours for business day. So if it's Friday, I'd expect it on Monday. Then once I've sent the information through to the mortgage broker, I then send a formal email back to the client to say, thank you so much for inquiring. You know, I've got your details. I'm onto this. I'd like to formally introduce you to, I have a template set up where I insert the mortgage broker's name that I've sent it through to. Then there's the sales pitch about why I've done that. So it might be that this person was a first-time home buyer and I've specifically- Or investor or insert whatever that niche is. Yeah. Okay, so the first week that you turned this on, when you went from letting people book calls with you, first question is how many followers did you have at the time when you first turned on this form? And then how many leads did you generate that first week? So when I turned on the form, I would have had about, I'm going to say roughly 230 something thousand, maybe 238 or 235. Yeah. And in that first week, we had a big influx on the weekend of opening. So I think there were so many people like, I've been trying to book a call with this guy for like the last three weeks. And so when they right. saw content where I was like, hey, you can get in contact via the form, we had an influx over the weekend. And then, you know, it's still pretty consistent for the rest of the week, but it ended up at 421 leads for the week. 421 leads for the week. And then of the 421, how many of them were qualified enough for you to move them on to the next part of the process? Yeah. So of that 350 leads that I deemed to be viable, I was then able to send through to my referral network. And, you know, to give kind of a dollar, a rand, you know, an odd approximate dollar value on that, you would be looking at about $175 million worth because the average mortgage size here sits at around $500,000. The average is probably a little bit higher because a heavy percentage of them come from Melbourne and Sydney and Sydney's median house prices just hit 1.4 million. So, you know, on average higher. So, but even if only 25% of those went through, that's a week of mortgages. That's a, that's a week. A, that's in a week. Yeah. And so across bonkers. all of the referral, yeah. So across all of the referral partners, somewhere between 20 and 30 million was what they all received out of that portion of $175 million worth. So they all received between 20 and 30 million. But I was tracking their conversion based on previous weeks when I had been doing it from the Calendly link. And their conversion rates, and I'm very transparent with them about this, their conversion rates are what determine, you know, whether or not they're getting more leads and the type of leads that they're getting as well. Right. Um, yeah. And so then upon reflection at the, it was about a week and a half later that I was then able to reflect on that week because enough time had gone by that nearly all of those leads had been contacted, whether it was because, you know, you try and contact someone and they're like, call me tomorrow and then it ends up the next yeah, yeah. day. It doesn't always happen instantly. Yeah. No, 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 no. So as long as the initial contact is made in 24 hours, I'm happy. And then they can try and figure out when's the best time to meet. So of those 50% of them, and this was consistent across all of the brokerages, they said that 50% of them are good to go now, which means they've submitted a pre-approval for finance and the customer is actively looking for a home, which means their finance is good to go. They're actively looking for a home. So we're expecting a two-month settlement on 50% of what's been sent. Closing for all of our Canadian listeners. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, closing. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So a settlement is what you usually get in court when you sue somebody is what we would call that. Like you got your settlement. I was was thinking about it on the way into work today, and I was like, what do they use settlement for? And I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. when you go to divorce court and you have to be your ex, you're paying out your ex. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I got right, a settlement. Such negative yeah, negative connotations over there. Yeah. yeah. And then they reckon that the mortgage brokers have then all confirmed that roughly 30% are within the next six months. So they expect that within three months from now, maybe the deposit that they need will then be hit. You know, they're slightly down on the, on the deposit requirement. Yeah, but call it so, 80% potentially of them are, even if you closed half of those, that's still 40% of 107. Like it's bonkers. So all this to say, are you yes. glad that you use TikTok as opposed to other methods to grow your business? Absolutely. I think the one kind of example that I can draw upon is back in 2019, I had a podcast that I invested a lot of time into Instagram trying to build up an audience on. So obviously there was the podcast, which had the listeners, but then I was trying to build the social media aspect of it. And I was doing a lot of the same stuff. You know, I was talking to podcasters about small business in particular, obviously not about mortgages. And maybe there are just a lot less small business owners in the world than people that want mortgages, obviously. I think there are, yeah. Because every yeah. Like, yeah, anybody <laughs> that can get a mortgage will want one at some point. Exactly. Usually. So there's a lot lower customer base. But the amount of engagement that I got on that app comparatively to what I've experienced on TikTok, it's like they're not even in the same ballpark. It's not even in the same world. Right. It's amazing, man. When you first told me this story, and I was like, I literally nearly fell out of my chair. So... I have to, my hat tip to you for a, you know, jumping on this and doing something with it. We'll wrap up with this. If somebody's listening, what would be your one piece of advice for somebody who is thinking about using TikTok as a platform for, you know, reaching out to their audience? Yeah. Well, first of all, going back to what Enrique said all the way back in, I think he was probably saying this in March. So massive props to him. I would say um, consistency, set yourself a target. If you don't set yourself a target of posting every day for 60 days, or maybe for you it's 45 days or however much time you want to invest, but it needs to be consistent every single day you need to do a post. And I spoke to a real estate agent the other day who I started following. He has 4,000 followers and he had some great content. And I said, mate, this is awesome. Followed him. He followed me back. Obviously, so I had 250,000 followers and was like, oh my God, like, how did you do this? You know, and I said, well, let's jump on a call and chat. And then he said, how about we do it Friday? And I was like, well, I've got 15 minutes right now because I was on the way home from work. So he was like, let's do this. So we literally spoke for 15 minutes on the phone straight away. And he asked me that exact question, how did you do it? And I said, I posted every single day. And he said, yeah, but what about the days that you missed? I'm like, I didn't. And it's literally as simple as that. You don't miss. Don't miss. I didn't miss. And there might've been days where, you know, because there were some days where I went on holiday with my family. And I tell you right now, if I got out my phone, and started doing a, like a, a TikTok while I was on um, vacation, my wife would have given me a quick hit over the back of the head, you know, quick. Have you seen the I TikTok where the guy head. says something to his wife and then walks away and she always sort of throws something at him? It's kind of like that, right? <laughs> yeah. It would have been that. Yeah. You know? So what did I do? Then I invested, you know, five hours or four hours the day before we left to make sure that I had seven pieces of content ready to go so that all I had to do when I was on vacation was hit post and then I could walk away from it. So the draft, but, you had them drafted, right? And you just yeah, upload, yeah. right, right. Yeah, so yeah, so I had it drafted, had it content, content ready to go. So if right. you can't do it on a particular day, you've got to forward plan your week, make sure it's ready to go. So that would be my first point of advice. And then you really need to, in the early days, if you want some traction, you need to think about, is this post going to educate Is it going to inspire or is it going to entertain? And if you can hit one of those three and you can hit it strong, it's probably worth posting. If it hasn't hit any of them, your idea probably sucks. And it's okay for ideas to suck. It just means you've got to come up with a new one. 
Right. But probably don't waste your time posting something if it's neither of those three. Entertain, inspire, educate. And then the other one I say is agitate. So can you like, yeah. can you like, you know, not in a bad way, but just be like, hey, you know, because that's well, another. Well, that's it, uh, because agitators going to get engagement. And I think that you've got to be careful with agitate in the early days if no one knows you, because then they think, oh, wait, this is just this douchebag who constantly. Yeah, yeah, right, right. People. You got to do it. Be careful. But once you've built up your audience and they trust. And you have account, trust, you can do that a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Okay, man. Well, it's awesome chatting with you, brother. Go follow you on TikTok. See what you're doing. It's been great to connect. Thank you so much, mate. And I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you're doing, not only for the Canadian, you know, mortgage brokerage, you know, the mortgage industry over there. But, you know, obviously I'm just some random dude in Perth who was inspired by you guys to start my mortgage broken journey. And yeah, I honestly think that if I had not found the podcast that you have, and especially with how high quality it is, I, number one, wouldn't have gone and even done my qualification. Number two, because of Enrique, especially, I wouldn't have started my TikTok account. And then I wouldn't have this thriving business now that- Where you, you can know, barely hold on. You're like, for the yeah. love of God, like it's it's yeah. awesome. So yeah, that, I it's, appreciate a, it's it, man. amazing. I appreciate okay. it. Okay, good Thanks, job buddy. with brother. All right. Wow. Wasn't that amazing? Like I'm still just blown away by what's possible, but I always think about these things like a wave. And so there's a trend that comes and a wave. And if you have your surfboard in the right place, you can take advantage of it. If you don't have a surfboard, you're not going to get to catch the wave. And so I feel like TikTok right now is a big wave. And if it's something that you want to learn how to do and implement your mortgage business, go to tiktokbroker.ca. We can show you how we can help you with that. And in this next conversation I have with Tom Hall, we talk about the three things you must own. If you ever want to change mortgage companies, check it out. Hey, Tom, welcome back to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be here. So today we're talking about three things that you must own if you ever A, want to change companies or B, leave the industry. So this is going to be a fun conversation and we're not trying to stir things up, but we're just trying to help people be aware of what they need to think about. So why don't we jump into that? Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, to kind of frame the conversation to start, it's something that, you know, I think is happening as much as it ever has, but it's still, you know, a very present thing in this industry. I was talking to, I don't know who it was recently, but, you know, looking at licenses and looking at license turnover in a certain segment in a certain province or whatever it was, it's quite high. It was something like 50% over the past year. And so regardless of the stat itself, it is kind of a fact of life in this industry. And it is kind of the side of, you know, potentially leaving the business. You know, there's a thousand reasons why you might want to do that. And, you know, having the right plan in place, having the right tools in place is super important to, you know, transition yourself or transition, you know, to another company or transition yourself to a different career or retiring or whatever it might be. So that's what kind of this conversation about is those different types of tools. So, to get right into it, I think, you know, ahead of the time, we were kind of chatting a bit about this. And I think the big ones we kind of landed on were, you know, starting with, first and foremost, probably the lifeblood of your communication will be your email. And we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Right after that, we talk, you know, I think it's somewhat related to your email is your domain and your website. And then finally, data, right? Data is, again, when we talk about lifeblood, so much of, you know, your business and you know your network and that sort of thing is going to live and breathe in that client data. So those are kind of those three categories when you think about the tools for a transition of where you really need to start thinking about it. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've seen people like they'll get the company email and then, you know, a few years later, something changes, they decide to go a different path. And then all of a sudden that company email is dead. They just kill it. Yeah. Right. And so now all of your past contacts, everybody that you've been emailing, the prospect that you emailed two years ago, 
that didn't go anywhere who wants to go, so, you know, I got to come back to Tom. I got to, you know, I, I'm thinking of doing right. something now. Boom, that email is going to bounce. And so it literally will cost you thousands and thousands of dollars if you don't own your own email address. Like, do not let yeah. anybody else own your email. I think it's important that you have it. Have you seen that as well? Have you noticed that people are like in your interacting with brokers yeah. not having the email account? Yeah, I mean, I have it enough times where, I mean, we kind of did in that order. It said email, website, domain, and then data. And I think email deserves to be right at the top because it is just so important that everything, at least how you know communications exist right now in Canada, so, so much is done through emails, right? And so if you think about, you know, really that line that is going to run just about any interaction that you do, having something that you have 100% complete control over is just completely essential. And, you know, it's those situations where you might transition, but also, you know, different scenarios where maybe your office decides to change a domain or decides to shut something down or do whatever it might be, having that email, regardless of the situation, is just so, so important. And the great thing about it, too, is that it's easier than ever to get that up and running. You know, for some people listening, I'd be like, That's okay, what I was going to ask you. So yeah. should I just have a Hotmail account? Like, hot, <laughs> Hotmail, M-A-L-E. At hot, I've always wondered who's got that email address. Like, they must get a lot of crap, right? You think <laughs> yeah, Hotmail no, and okay. Hotmail. I'm like, oh, hey, buddy. Like, anyway, so yeah, what do you suggest if somebody's going to own their own email? What looks bad and what looks professional? Right. right. So I think that right off the bat, you know, there is – you know, your Gmail account and Yahoo and all that. And maybe that's a good band-aid, I'll call it. But, you know, ultimately what you should be going towards is having that domain that you own. And that kind of really relates to the second point too, which we'll talk about in a second. And again, kind of to my earlier point, okay, I'm listening, Tom, I want to get my own domain, but where do I go? Again, easier than ever. GoDaddy is a great tool. That's what we use, but there's a ton out there. Namecheap is another. I use Namecheap, yeah. Yep. Okay. So that's one that you use. I have like 500 domains there. It's ridiculous. No kidding. You can trade domains too. Not that we'll go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. But that's, oh, that's, okay. Uh, yeah. What do you got? It's, it's like trading cards. <laughs> yeah. I got a, it is. Yeah, a yeah. Pikachu domain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to trade. Yeah, that's right. And they make it so easy. Great support. I'll buy you a beer if this is wrong, but you get a domain set up in 10 minutes flat. You know, they, they make Absolutely. it so easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know? And then you yeah. can use that for your email address. And now kind of you're killing two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, you know, professionalism and, you know, this being a relationship based on trust, you know, having that domain shows that professionalism and really builds that trust. Even if it's just your name or Tom, the yeah. mortgage guy or Tom, the mortgage broker or Tom Hall, like whatever, yeah. you got to have some identifier so that right. they'll always find you. So if you own the URL, then you can own the email. I don't use like the non-professional hotmail accounts. Even Gmail is a little no, yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. Like, look, hey, trust me with your million dollar purchase. I use a Gmail account. I like Gmail on the back end to run it. So you could use Gmail to run Absolutely. that. Yeah. They've got great tools, but no, I don't want to scott at gmail.com because it's like, ah, it just mm-hmm. doesn't feel, it feels too janky, if that's right. Yeah. It feels like you just opened up the account and said, hey, let me do your mortgage for you. Right. Yeah, so, I, yeah. yeah. Totally. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. own the email, own the URL. So, let's talk about client data. So, what do you mean by client data? What should they own? What are some suggestions there? Yeah. And I think, I mean, client data can take a hundred different forms. And I think, you know, off the bat, someone says, Hey, I own my client data. I have, you know, a list in my Outlook. That's all my contacts and I'm good to go. Right. But as you start thinking about, okay, whether it be myself, I need to transition to a different company and what's coming with me ask yourself, is that list going to be enough? Same goes for if you want to transition, maybe sell that book of business. Do you want to sell just a list of clients or do you want to sell something much more complete? And, you know, it can run the whole gambit, but the best practices is really that 
full database that's going to show your client. It's going to show your transactions in terms of mortgages, but it could go even deeper as it relates to notes and saying, hey, this client is awesome, or you got to watch out in this case. The right. value that you're going to provide this for yourself. This client crazy. Yeah, or batshit crazy, yeah. The value <laughs> that's such a pro- good term, honestly. Like, who invented that? I'm like, that's a word we don't use enough. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> no, no, it's... Yeah. Uh, you're right. You're right. It isn't used enough. But no, I guess just to complete that thought, it's just you're providing value. You got to think about, hey, you know, what am I going to do for future Tom? Right. What do I yeah. want to leave him if I ever decide to do that transition? What do I want to build out that makes sure I'm set up for success? Because even if you don't transition and then, you know, one day you retire, you're not giving it to future Tom, but you're giving it to future whoever you might sell it to and you know the value of what you're providing is just that much more because here's the thing you maybe think no I'm yeah. not, i like my company i'm not going anywhere but then you want to sell your book of business exactly and the person the best deal that you can make is not with your company yeah right so right. you're like oh crap so you were never in the, i'm not saying like yeah you know what love my company whatever that company is you're saying i'm sticking around fantastic you get an offer from somebody who's at a different company and you're like man this is the wicked deal it's gonna be great for me and my clients and now you run into the same problem yeah. And I love this idea of thinking about future Tom. Like, have you seen that video? That's a problem for future Homer when Homer's drinking no. mayonnaise. That's a problem for future Homer. Man, I don't envy that guy. That's right. what the problem right. with mortgage brokers right. are when they don't think this stuff ahead. That's a problem for future Tom. Yeah. I don't need to remember my email, my domain, my data. And at some point, this is the kind of thing that can be very costly and also just time consuming to try and piece together if you Completely. don't do it in the short yeah. term. So Yeah, and it's future Tom, but even maybe... You know, for those that they're looking to scale, grow, maybe bring on an assistant, it's, you know, that future team member. And it's even more costly and more, you know, labor intensive to then explain to a team member what this person is about, as opposed yeah, to yeah. You just remembering it, right? So yeah. there's a lot of considerations as you think about, okay, my client data, is it a Outlook list or is it a complete picture that I can use and give to anybody and they can take it and and run with it and then owned you know obviously separately where you have it so that's fantastic okay so let's wrap up this if you're ever have to switch companies because of choice or because of your selling your book of business wrap up sort of your advice for somebody right right so we went in order we said email url client data you know the email is you know that first thing you need to really think about because everything runs through it make it professional own that domain because that leads right into the next point of the domain and your website you can completely you know really own that too and so between those two things your entire brand image everything external you then own and then the final piece is just then that client data the back end all of your operations everything for your team everything for your own future self making sure that's, you know, completely owned, something that you have complete control over. So, you know, you're not creating problems for future Tom or make sure uh, future Homer is going to be happy with you. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay. So if you guys are listening to this, check out bluemortgage.ca. That's B-L-U. There's no E. No E. Sarah with no H because H's are U. I'm just making people remember B-L-U, bluemortgage.ca. Tom and his company, they'll help you with all this stuff. And right now, if it's between now and March, you guys are actually got a whole March. bunch of cool yep. things you're doing. If you're an existing yep. client, you send a referral, you can win a MacBook, you can win a whole bunch of cool stuff, you can win a free year, which is pretty awesome. So go check that out. And Tom, thanks again for coming on, man, and sharing. And you guys listening to this, you got to own this stuff. Think long term. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thanks again to Rob and to Tom for having this conversation with me today. Rob, again, super impressed with what you've done with TikTok. If you're interested to find out more about that, go to tiktokbroker.ca. And Tom, again, thank you so much for a real conversation around what you need to know 
before you change companies so that you don't basically get screwed for lack of a better word. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening to this. Check it out. And we will be seeing you on the next episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.